0: Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, lead pastor Eric Parks begins a new series titled Redefining Ordinary with a message where it all begins. So I am the firstborn of three. I came along when my parents were pretty young and my mom tells the story this way. She said, you know, you being the firstborn in the house, I just thought you were normal. You were a normal child. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, you know, oftentimes when we would be out with friends, they would often say, you know, um, um, Eric has a lot of um, energy. And my mom would say, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you know, they used to say this back in the 70s. He's kind of hyperactive. She's like, he's not hyperactive. This is what ordinary looks like. He's a normal kid. My mom says, as she got older and had other children, she realized that maybe these people were onto something. She said, I started to realize that you did have a lot of energy. And she's like, I'm really glad you came first. <laughs> See, so often, when you think about what is ordinary, what is normal in our lives, It is based on what we experience, isn't it? In fact, if you look at the definition of ordinary, it says it is whatever is commonplace or standard. So whatever is ordinary is really whatever it is you've experienced. And I started thinking about this. As we dove into this series and started to plan this series, I wonder. I wonder in the lives of followers of Jesus what we've gotten used to what we've experienced so much of that it's become ordinary. I hear it all the time from people who love Jesus with all their heart, but they lack any sort of joy in their life. In fact, they've lacked it for so long that it's become ordinary. I mean, if you came in today and maybe you haven't felt fulfillment in your life and you don't know how long, for some of us, that has become ordinary. For some of us that have been stuck, our whole lives, we just go from one stuck thing to the next stuck thing and it helps us or makes us believe that maybe based on our experience, this is normal, that's just life, to not have much joy or passion or fulfillment or to feel stuck or to be drifting through life rudderless you know based on your experience even as a follower of Jesus i fear that far too many of us that has become our ordinary that it's common and we hate our jobs and we hate our boss and our our, our marriage are stuck our kids are a mess, things are broken, or maybe you're on top of the world, but you've gotten there making life about you and what you want. Whatever the situation is, what I fear is that for far too many of us, based on our experience in life so far, we've made some things ordinary and commonplace that maybe as followers of Jesus aren't. And maybe we do need to redefine ordinary. Maybe we need to take the next few weeks and pause for a minute and go, okay, well, if that isn't the way it's supposed to be, then tell me, wise guy, how is it supposed to be? What is life supposed to look like? Well, the Bible's really clear. And I'm really, honestly, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I'm going to tell you what life ought to look like right now. You don't even have to come back for the next four weeks. You can just stay home, okay? Because here's what it is. The Bible's really clear. There's six things that should be evident in the life of every single believer. Those of us that follow Jesus, this is what Scripture promises us. And I just sum it up. Number one, you, you should have life. Like, life should flow in you and out of you. Second, you should have hope. There should be an eternal hope that burns inside of you. You should have freedom. The chains of your past and of sin should fall off of you. Truth should emanate in and around you. You should be comforted and be a comforter. And you should have extraordinary power. That's what scripture tells us. Like what ordinary ought to look like in the life of every single believer is really simple. Life, hope, freedom, truth, comfort, power. That's life in the kingdom. That's what scripture tells us. So you ask the question, why is it then? Then so many of our lives, we're short on these things. Like we can, I can be honest, we can be honest. Sometimes we feel real short on these things. Like there's a deficit between what I know it ought to be and what it is. Like there is this gap, dude, a gap between what you tell me and the reality of my ordinary. Well, that's what we're going to spend time doing is understanding how do we redefine ordinary. If that's what Jesus has in mind for every single one of us, and that if you can hear my voice, that's you, then how do we do it? And let me start by saying this. No matter how you find yourself where you're at, we have to start with this. An old C.S. Lewis quote that I think is perfect for this series, but it is perfect for us as we journey towards what God had in mind for us. He says this. He says, you can't go back and change the beginning. You can't. No matter how you find yourself, wherever you find yourself, you cannot go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you're at, and you can change the ending. And that's, I don't think that landed with anyone. Everyone's like, I don't know. Let me say that one more time. You cannot, you cannot go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you're at, and you can change the ending. And this is what we're going to talk about. How do we do that? How do we redefine ordinary? Ordinary? Well, I want to introduce you, the pathway to doing that. Let me pray real quick. God, help us understand what you speak to us in scripture about what ordinary should be in the life of every single believer. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is going to be an anchor verse for us in this series, okay? It's a verse... Found in John, and it's Jesus speaking. It's John 14, 26, and Jesus says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will, now listen, he says, he will teach you all the things and bring you to remembrance all I've said to you. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to send. There's someone coming. It's a Helper, and this Helper is going to teach you all the things, whatever those things are, and all the things that I said, You're going to send someone to teach you that. And I don't know if you've ever had a helper in your life teach you things that you need to be taught, but I was thinking about this whole idea of the Holy Spirit as helper. Now, um, by a raise of hands, how many of you in the room have ever played the game Fortnite? Raise a hand. Raise a hand. All right. There's a generational gap. There's a few nerds. There's a few nerds. Okay. A few nerds. Okay. I love it. Um, Well, let me be honest with you. Like When I grew up playing video games... It was really simple, right? The controller had three buttons on it, two over here, and a little little cross thing over here. And then before that, it was just a little stick and one button. So, so anybody else remember those days when it was really simple? Remember that? It was real simple. I sit down with my son, Harry. He's like, Dad, I want you to come play this game with me, Fortnite. I'm like, Okay. So I sit down and the first problem is he hands me a controller that literally has 72 buttons on it. <laughs> it's like, wait, this looks like a spaceship, what am I supposed to do with this? He's like, right, K okay, dad, here's what you do, R1 controls his head, R2 controls his left arm, button on this side, well, change his direction, on this side, change his head movement, this side, change its feet, change his pace, change his gun, I'm like, and he's flipping through the screen and things are flipping and guns are changing and everything. I'm like, bro, what, here was my avatar spinning. I'm just spinning, pointing in the air, going two, 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 two. I'm like, son, I don't, I don't know what to do. He's like, dad, 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 move over. And he comes over and he sits right next to me. He goes, let me help you. He starts to show me how everything works, right? How all the buttons work. And I got to thinking about how complicated that game is. It's a great metaphor because life is complicated, isn't it? Sometimes we look at life, and you hear me say, or a pastor say, or someone say, this is what life's supposed to be like. And you, you go, yeah, I'm sure it is. But it's just not that simple, Eric. Life, life is complicated. You see, this is why, this is why Jesus talks about the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now think about it. You realize, the Holy, the Holy Spirit was Jesus' closest companion in Scripture. Now, go, go back and check it out. The Holy Spirit was Jesus' closest companion. The, the New Testament recognizes the Holy Spirit ministry in the life of Christ in a myriad of ways, from his conception, his growth, baptism, his temptation, In Jesus' ministry, his miracles, his sacrifice and death, his resurrection, his ascension and glorification, the Holy Spirit was there. And I started thinking, if Christ, who is fully man but fully God, if Christ, if Jesus, during his earthly life and ministry depended on the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more in these complicated times do we need that in our lives, right? But here's what I've noticed. And I'm guilty. I've noticed that oftentimes we just don't talk about the Holy Spirit in our churches. I don't know, like we're comfortable and we can be comfortable talking about uh, the, the, holy, the, the, the many parts of the Godhead and you realize that our theology is really simple, but it is complicated. There's a Godhead, three parts in one. There's Father, and we know how to talk about the Father, right? Because he's the creator and the sovereign ruler. Then there's Jesus, it's a unique person. And we know how to talk about Jesus. He's our Savior, he's our Lord. But there is Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. And maybe it's because when we see Holy Spirit, or in Scripture, you'll also see it referred to as Holy Ghost or SPIRIT with a capital S, maybe sometimes it's like, oh, I don't, ghost, I don't know what to do with that. That feels scary or freaky. Or maybe some of you had experiences in your past with Holy Spirit movements that make you a little bit standoffish and you're not sure how to speak of it. But this is the reality. A.W. Tozer puts it perfectly. He says that if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn... From the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and nobody would notice. But, but, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did, it stopped and everybody would notice. See, the Holy Spirit, understanding who this person is, is absolutely essential for us minding the gap between what we are and what Jesus had in mind for us. It is the Spirit. If you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says that everybody was filled with awe in the early church. And they weren't filled with awe because the message was amazing or because the worship was on point. They were filled with awe because they they saw power they had never seen before. They experienced love that they had never experienced before. You know, if we recognize our brokenness, this is what's so beautiful about the Holy Spirit. If we recognize our brokenness and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, we will experience rapid growth that will put people in awe. This is the helper. The third person of the Trinity sent to help us be, become what Jesus had in mind. And make no mistake, this is a person... I think sometimes when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, it's what I said before, we're not really sure how to talk about it. We're not really sure how to say it. So let me just real quickly give you a theology lesson so we're all really clear. This is what we believe here in the church. And actually, the Big C Church, the Nicene Creed, we're grounded in this reality that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not merely a force or a feeling. He is God. The Holy Spirit is expressed and declared as a person in Scripture, okay? So he is a person In the Bible, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit is often referred to as Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost or Spirit with capital S. You'll see that throughout Scripture. And we know this, that Christian life begins with the Holy Spirit. It also ends with the work of the Holy Spirit. In the meantime, the Spirit is working through all of us. This is what the Spirit does. It works. He works in us to help us become All of those things we mentioned. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 4 when he says, look, his gifts were made that Christians, that is us, might be properly equipped for their service. So what God has in mind for you, that you would be equipped. This is what the Spirit's doing in you. That the whole body would be built up until the time comes when the unity of the common faith and common knowledge of the Son of God, we arrive at real maturity. Now maturity, this is all about us being fully formed and developed. Not smarter. Sometimes I think we, we think this is just about us and the head knowledge. This is about us becoming, right? All parts of us becoming what Jesus had in mind. That is that, like, that we bring life and hope. That we see power in us. This is what the spirit brings in maturity in us. It says the measure of the development which is meant by the fullness of Christ, right? The fullness of those six things we laid out. We're not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance, wind, or teaching and the jockeying of men who expect in the craft presentation of their lives. But we are meant to hold firm to the truth in love and to grow up in every way in Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit brings about in us. It brings about those pieces. It imparts life. The Holy Spirit imparts life. And if you're lacking life, this is what the Spirit is to do. The Bible tells us through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit implants hope in us. You're hopeless. You wake up in the morning with a sense of dread. It is the Holy Spirit that brings hope and implants it like a tree that springs to life in us. It is the Holy Spirit that gives freedom. This is what the Apostle Paul is speaking of this maturity. Where the chains of our past begin to fall off of us onto the ground and we walk free. It comforts us as believers, it guides us in truth. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And Charles Spurgeon said it this way, and I think it's why we get to points where when we see the gap between what we are and what Jesus intended, when you hear a preacher say, well, you should have freedom. You should have hope. You should have life. You should have power. The reason why is this quote, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We can't get there. We're as ships without wind. We're useless. There was a guy that used to stand in this pulpit. I, I uh, model my haircut after his. His name is Mike Bro. And Bro used to say this, you remember this. He used to say, self, we we're talking about self help. Self can't help self. We don't have the tools to get us to where God intended that fullness of life. It is the Holy Spirit that does the work. Life, hope, freedom, truth, comfort, power. Six things that I'm betting if you put those, you know, L H F T C P. Sound pretty good to me. (laughs) The Aretha Franklin, right? R E S P C T. I like this one better. I'm not going to sing it now. But L H F T C P. L H F T C P. This is the work of the Spirit. So then why, why do we fall short? Why? Because we know this. The Bible tells us that when you came to Jesus, there is a flame. The Holy Spirit does the work. There is this little flame that gets birthed in you. And I was thinking about this. Why is it? Why is it that we don't live in the fullness of Jesus if, if the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us, which as a follower of Jesus, he does. The Holy Spirit is alive in you then how is it that we don't become what he has in mind? And it's really simple. There was this verse that I grew up with as a kid. It was 1 Thessalonians 5.19, and it was really simple. It got used all the time in our church, and it was like a correction verse. It was a verse to keep me in line, right? Because as you remember, I was a kid with a lot of energy. And my, the deacons at our church or my mom or my dad would be like, son, now don't you go in there and quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So I always thought of the Holy Spirit was like a librarian, right? Right, so just keep it down. Don't go in there. You come in, it's like, it's like I was like this big bucket of water and if I was fully me, I was gonna throw it on the Holy Spirit and he was just gonna go out. So I had to mind my P's and Q's and don't mess up. I got smacked on the back of the head a ton in church by random people. Quit quenching the Holy Spirit, kid. It was like, seriously, when you read that verse, you have this visual metaphor that we've been given this flame of the Holy Spirit. And then in Thessalonians, it says, don't quench it, so don't, don't pour water on it. So our job is just don't pour water on the flame. It's not like that at all, actually. It's actually not a great... I, I don't. This isn't the root of the Greek. Well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying. When you look at the word... In Greek, quench, it's actually a word that I will butcher the Greek because that's my English, but it's sebiniai, right, sabiniai This word in the Greek actually means to extinguish or to put out. It's used like eight times in the New Testament. You see it in Matthew. This sort of puts, puts this phrase in, in, in better light when it says, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. And it uses that same Greek root word, to put out. And then it dawned on me. I was thinking about a campfire. Have any of you ever been camping? Okay, the rest of you, good for you. <laughs> so I was thinking about like, how it works. This is, this is a few years ago. My son and I, um, he was probably 16 at the time, and I've told this story before, but we, we decided to go out camping. And um, one of the best things about camping, I think, is building a fire, right? It's absolutely brilliant. And it, it's the magic that happens around the fire. So I remember um, we went out and we went and got some nice dry wood and Brought it out and started the fire. And it was magical because it is great to sit at a campfire. But what happened with my 16 year old is he talked to me. He actually used his words. You know, he didn't ignore me. <laughs> he didn't have a cell phone. So we were, that way I had one thing going for me. So we, we, we built this fire and it was really a roaring fire. Um, and then after spending the evening like chatting and sitting around in, in, um, in our lawn chairs, we decided to go to bed. The next morning, we both got up, and I went out to the fire pit, and of course, the fire was out, right? Um, and it dawned on me the other day what, what don't quench the Spirit is trying to say. I think sometimes we think about the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it's like, just don't, just don't put it out. But the reality was with a fire, if you're not tending to it, you're putting it out. Like if you don't tend to the fire, what will naturally happen is the fire will go out. You'll wake up the next morning and that fire will no longer burn. So you're either fueling a fire or by the very act of not fueling it, you are putting it out. Thought about that. I think this is what the Apostle Paul is getting at. I think when you look at 1 Thessalonians, what I began to realize is that all of us have like kindling we carry around in life. And we choose what fires in our life we're gonna fuel. Some of us, bro, we can't wait to go look at Facebook. I don't know why, but we, we put some fuel on that fire. Or some of you, man, I tell you what, golf, golf I know some of you are like, don't you dare talk about golf. Some of the wives are like, talk about it, talk about it. <laughs> we, we're like, oh man, I'm gonna put some fuel onto that fire I'm gonna become a great golfer. And you know how it is with golf. If you had a bad game, it gives you a reason to go back. And if you had a good game, it gives you a reason to go back. You're always wanting to go back. You put, Or maybe it's like the Bears, I don't know. You, wow. I'm so sorry for all of you. But you're like, I'm a Bears fan and, and we, we fuel these other things in our life. Pick it, maybe it's making money. We have just so much kindling and we put it on this fire, and these things begin to roar. They begin to, we fuel these other things. And then we look at the fruits of the Spirit, these things that should be evident in our lives, and we're like, why aren't they? I mean, it's really just where you decide to put your fuel, it's where you put this. We quench the Holy Spirit every time we choose to put our fuel in these other places. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a job. You need one. I'm not saying you shouldn't go golfing. Golfing's great. I am saying you shouldn't root for the bears. (laughs) I'm just messing with y'all. Here's what I'm saying. Where are you putting your fuel? Because if you're not tending to the Holy Spirit in your life, then you're quenching it. And that's why we're not becoming these things. So this is what we're going to do over the next four weeks. We're going to learn together how do we fuel the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's what's amazing. Do you realize, like use this as a metaphor, there is no limit to to what a fire can do given the appropriate amount of fuel right what happens when you put lots of wood it turns into a, what a bonfire you want to see a fire roar just put more fuel on it you put more attention on it i'm telling you it will happen but it isn't going to happen if we don't put energy in it this is quenching you want to see the miraculous happen in your life then you have got to start to fuel the holy spirit You want to see power that looks supernatural. You got to feel the Holy Spirit. You want to see your lives be redeemed, your marriages be restored. If you want fullness in the life of Jesus, I'm just telling you, if you're feeding all the other things, fine, but don't be surprised. But if we learn how to feed the Holy Spirit in our lives, oh, all oh, the work that can be done. So, over the next four weeks, we're gonna learn that. How by fueling the Holy Spirit, we're not going to bring life, we're not bringing hope, we're not bringing freedom, truth, comfort, or power. That's not what we bring. We just fuel the Holy Spirit so that He can do what He's going to do in our lives. That's it. It's actually quite simple. It's actually quite simple, but it takes discipline. So I'm going to invite you, honestly, into three things. Three simple things to go on a journey to begin to redefine ordinary for all of us. Number one, every day this week, I'm going to post a simple little thought on how to fuel the Holy Spirit in your life that day. Simple. And I'm going to course, I'm going to do it on social media after I said something rotten about it. Not on Facebook. I'm not there, so I don't really know much about it. But on Instagram, I'm going to post simple little things, simple little things. How do I fuel it today, this week? You can follow me, or you can follow Forest City Church. We'll post it there. We're going to, Simple little things that I can start my day or do midday that fuels. And, and none of these things are going to be particularly hard, Time consuming, but it will redirect a few logs that you have access to your energy each day. Number two, I'm going to invite you. Will you go through this series with us for the next four weeks? Come to church every week. You know, it's interesting, it's interesting about worship. Because so often when we get in worship experiences, we wonder, why is it when we get in a worship experience you'll feel this rush of emotions, and then we leave, and it all starts to go away. And sometimes what we do is we go, oh, well, that must have been emotionalism. No, it's not at all. For about an hour, you chose to put some logs over on this fire. I mean, it's not not rocket science. You came in here thinking of God. You came in here talking to God. You came in here hearing about God. It is no surprise that that little fire, the Holy Spirit, sort of rose up. You put logs on the flame. It's what it does. And it's not a surprise. When we don't do it, it just quenches. That's why this matters, and that's why I'm inviting you for the next four weeks. Come back. Learn how to fuel that fire. And then third, so... Daily, if you don't want to follow, fine. If you have some things you can do, you can follow us daily. The next four weeks, stay engaged. And then lastly, will you invite someone in your world that needs this? There's people in this space that honestly, COVID has changed so much. Patterns, rhythms, and I think there's a bunch of us that believe, well, I just don't know if, if I need to come to church anymore. And that's fine. You got to do what you got to do. But I believe when we gather together, what it does is, is it reminds us of this truth. We walk out going, that's right, that's right. When I put fuel on the flame, something happens. Invite somebody with you. Ah, sit next to them. And remember what I said. Look, we can't go back and change the beginning. We can't. Oh, we're where we're at, right? You are where you are. But, 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 but. You can start where you are. And you certainly can change the ending. Now, it's God's spirit to do a majority of the work. That's what's amazing. All you got to do is point your attention. Put a, few, a little bit of fuel. And watch what happens. You know, it's true. This is true. Just so you know, you have a God that hears you. You have the power of love behind you and you have the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus within you, hold on on that. You have a God that hears you. You have the power of love behind you and you have the Holy Spirit in you. A flame just needs some fuel. And when we begin to put logs on that fire, let me tell you, you have grace for every misstep. You have the right direction for every destination, the right clothing for every season, the right headlight for every dark situation, a safe harbor for every storm. And you have everything you need. You're going to see this this weekend. You're going to see some football players on the field. I love this analogy. Maybe the log doesn't quite get it. So let me just, in the spirit of Sunday football, you're going to watch Derrick Henry. Go watch the Tennessee Titans play. You're going to watch him come about the third quarter. You're going to see him make a motion to the sidelines. You're going to do this. You know what that sign is? It's feed me. Feed me. And let me tell you what he's going to do. He's going to start running over folks come about the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, every time he gets the rock, it's eight and 10 and 12 and 15. He's like, feed me, feed me, feed me. I got this. And I was thinking about it. You know what? The Holy Spirit alive in you is saying, feed me. Give me that rock. Let me run that ball. Let me take care of this for you. I got it, but you gotta feed me, feed me. And I'm telling you, if you'll get consistent, You may not, first quarter, you may not feel all of that life and hope and power. You may not, second quarter, but I'm telling you, you start giving the Holy Spirit the rock and what's gonna start happening is is eight and 10 and 12 and all of a sudden you go miracles, miracles on miracles, miracles on miracles. You're walking in miracles and miracles and miracles. Give them the rock. Put some fuel on the fire. If you don't know Jesus, you can In fact, he probably brought you here. All you have to do is confess with your mouth your sins, accept him as Lord and Savior, and that little fire today be birthed in you. You can do it. Will you stand with me? We're going to take a little extended time of worship, not forever, but to put a few logs on the fire this morning to worship this God. And we're just going to invite you sort of however it is that's comfortable with you. Now listen, some of you, man, hands in pockets. All good. It's all good. But for some of us, we need just to take some time and just throw some fuel on this fire. You need it tomorrow, and you're going to need it Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, until we come back Sunday. So let's worship together. You've been listening to Eric Parks with the message, Where It All Begins, from the Redefining Ordinary series at Forest City Church. Thanks for listening.